angels on the line, the angels on the line, the angels, the angels, the angels on the line. desegregation experience we got people in the studio we got people on the line and we got to get a people what they want and this is the episode that they wanted this is what they wanted to hear now we're gonna start with the people on the line first we're gonna start with mr anthony anthony go ahead anthony perry yo that's you man uh, oh, what's up? Uh, this is Anthony Perry uh, Eureka class of 2002 the best class ever walked through Eureka oh god uh, <laughs> I've been part of the D. I was part of the DSEG program from third grade up until I graduated, and I feel like I'm still part of the DSEG program every time I walk into a boardroom. <laughs> okay. Uh, I live in Miami, and y- y'all know me, kids, daddy. You know what it is. Okay, okay. We got Mike on the line. Mike, talk to us. Yep, Michael Oldroyd here, class of '05. Uh, calling from New York City right now, and uh, after growing up in California, I was glad that they had something uh, to create, uh, you know, uh, an opportunity to be exposed uh, to diversity in, in rural Missouri. Uh, I, I think it's as good of a program as they could have done at the time, but um, you know, after having grown up in California, I feel like there's, there's you know, even better solutions out there, uh, but thank you for having me. Awesome sauce. We got LaTanya. Hi, Latanya Davis, uh, Eureka High School, class of 97. Um, Woo! Currently a recruitment coordinator at a university where I recruit uh, students of color. And so I'm really excited about that. Okay, okay, we got Taylor. Hi, everybody. Um, I was class of 07 Eureka High School. Uh, I guess I'm an educator, social worker. And I appreciate the public school experience of uh, Rockwood School District in general, but the DSEG program ultimately left a bad taste in my mouth. Okay, we're going to go with Katie. Hello, hello, Katie Platt, uh, Eureka High School, class of 03. Woo, woo, go Wildcats. Um, I am a senior HR manager here at a local hospital, and I am very grateful personally for the DSEG program and the influence it had in my life. All right, we're going to go with Sable. Come on, talk to her. Sable Owens went to Eureka High School, class of 05. Right now, I work um, certified medical assistant. Um, I love my experience in the DCA program. I felt like. Go ahead, ma'am. I mean, I felt like we were all a family when we all went there. Hmm. We got Ja. Ja just joined us on the line. Ja, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How you doing? Can you give us a little introduction? What class? When did you go there? Talk to us. Tell us something. 
I was class of 93, but I graduated in 96. I went to Eureka and Lafayette. Um, I think it was an advantage. There's some advantages and disadvantages, but all over, I think it was a good idea. Okay. What do you uh, do now, Joe? What do you do? I'm a BHT tech, uh, behavior tech at uh, Arizona State Hospital. That's what I do right now. And uh, oh, I'm loving that. Okay. Okay. Hey, ain't you a you an artist too, right? Oh yeah, I also do music. Oh, I've been doing music forever. Yeah, that's right. I do music. Don't don't hide your skills now. You big you big in St. Louis, bro. Shoot, you crazy. Yeah. Woo. Well, I'm an artist on Jim Cool Room um records. Um we got a lot of different types of uh styles, a lot of different artists on that label. Everybody should go check it out. Jim's pool room, okay. And then to my right, who we got over here? Hey, y'all, it's Whitney. I graduated Eureka, class of 04. Go Wildcats, no matter how racist they go out there. We love y'all. <laughs> we love you. We love you no matter what. Good people, good people. And you know who I am. I am Rhonda, Angel Marie Diva Ramsey. I'm Angel. Class of 2005, Eureka High School was out there all my life, except eighth grade, went to Brittany Woods. Shout out to Brittany Woods Middle School. But yes, class of 05, the class of 05, because I didn't know what Mr. Anthony was talking about, but we going to mind our business. <laughs> Anywho, we going to get going. We going to have a good time. We going to talk about it. We going to be about it. The first question I'm going to ask everybody around the table, because this is what everybody wants to know. The world wants to know. Missouri wants to know. The teachers that taught us want to know. The teachers that are out there right now trying to figure out what the hell to do, they want to know. How was your experience in the DSEG program? That's why this is a generation desegregation experience. And I want to start with Whitney on my right. Real quick, how was your experience? Fine. Fine. <laughs> y'all, she said she was going to say that, you know, but y'all heard her on part one, so it's fine. And say, well, you kind of told us a little bit. Tell us real quick again, how was your experience? Great. So you're going to be like, wait, okay. I love it. I mean, I love it. You got to get the people what the... Y'all, we have a good time at the Angels Online. Always remember that. Katie, how was your experience going to school with individuals that were being bussed out to Eureka? Uh, for me, I, I can't... My life wouldn't be what it is today if it wasn't for the people that I was influenced by and was able and had the pleasure to hang around at Eureka. So uh, I can't say anything but great things. Amen. Amen. LaTanya. Yes. I had a very positive experience in the DSEG program. Um, I mean, I, you know, woke up early, stayed out late, so I was highly involved in school. Um, I probably wouldn't have went to college if it wasn't for it. Um, my cheerleading convinced me to meet with a, a, a college rep and was like, you're going to college? And I was like, we don't do that at my house. We go to work. And she was like, no, you're going to college. And I had just positive um, teachers like that, um, which was a really good experience for me. Uh, it helped me with my transition into college where, you know, I ended up getting my master's and becoming that teacher eventually. So it was just an all-around positive experience for myself. Wonderful, wonderful. Can I go with Taylor? What was your experience? How was your experience? I think mine was different um, because... So I didn't um, 
I attended private school at predominantly white schools from like preschool all the way to seventh grade. I actually asked my mom to take me out of private schools because I wanted to see more black kids. I was sick of being like the only black child and just seeing nothing but white people. So that it, that curiosity arose in me like after my cousin. So I asked my mom to put me in Rockland School District. So I did. Um, I want to be clear that I had a good time with black people. Like the, the kids were bust in. The kids who lived out there, we we moved from the city out to Eureka, so it was my actual school district. Um, it's really just the, I guess, the administrators. Some some of the ways the administrators dealt with some of the issues that came up, and there is, I'm thinking about one particular hall monitor, older white male, and that just really stuck with me all these years. So, but mm. I did have good teachers, and I did have good relationships, and I did have good a good time. It wasn't just an all out terrible sour experience, but you know those bad apples. Uh, mm-hmm. See, people don't never know the taste that they might leave in your mouth when you meet them, no matter if it's in the stores, or the school, mm-hmm. college, wherever it is, treat people like you want to be treated because all these years later, after this woman has all these credentials, she remembers that one person that she felt, you know, was, was wrong in, in, in a lot of cases and situations and or didn't know how to handle situations. Thank you, Taylor. Um, Mike, how was your experience going to school with individuals that were bust out? to Eureka, being from Cali and living in Eureka? First of all, I'm, I'm really glad to hear uh, so many of the positive experiences people are talking about. Uh, that's great. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm very thankful that, uh, that we had something in Missouri because a lot of my teammates playing football and running track and field uh, were, were part of, you know, were, were coming in from the city. And uh, it was a big part of my life. A lot of those uh, teammates uh, and lifelong friends are, are, are still part of my life to this day. So I'm very thankful that we had something. And I think that, um, you know, obviously it was different than California. I have two different, two different experiences. But uh, Missouri, I'm glad that they were doing something to try and promote diversity um, because uh, it's definitely needed. And uh, I'm glad to hear that people, a lot of people had a good experience with it, too. So, Thank you so much. Ja! Your short experience, you know, you told us, you know, a, l- a little a little glimpse of, you know, when you graduated, you went to uh-huh. schools or whatnot. You made it out. You still graduated. So you did letting the kids know right now not to give up. Can you tell us about your short experience? Uh, I, I had a lot of, like, it was like a lot of, like, racial experiences. You know what I mean? But it, it was good and bad. You know what I mean? Um. You learned a lot, you know, different cultures, people got learned from you. You know how to engage and plus like this was like before like social media really was like big when I was in school. So like we had to learn hands on, you know what I mean? And um you know, different cultures to learn and it, it, it built things up like social media. You know what I mean? So that was nine. That was like ninety two, wasn't it? Nineteen ninety two. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So like a lot of things are like a lot of people out in Eureka wouldn't know anything about some of the music and our culture if we wasn't going to those schools. Mm. Like you know what I mean. Yep. So we taught, we taught, we taught a lot of the students. You know what I mean? Who we were, or who, how, who other people were. You know, even people around the world. You know what I mean? We taught them our culture. Right. Much. We was like, we was like first hand teachers before the like social media and like, you know, everything. But they didn't see us. 
if it wasn't on TV, they didn't they didn't know. You know what I mean? Huh. We was we was hands on teachers about our culture. Good, good, good. We got Anthony. Anthony, talk to us, man. We looking at you. Talk to us in Miami. Got the got the flowers behind you and palm trees. Palm trees. Yeah, palm trees. We got Cody. Hey, you gotta keep it hot. But no, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I had nothing but positive experiences uh in in the DSA program. Somebody who was suspended all the time, but those are mostly my, you know, from my own actions. But as far as the DSEG program, I've created lifelong friends uh, that don't look like me. Like I told you last time, we don't vote along the same political lines, but I know they love me. Um, I, if even which I, what I didn't uh, kind of tag on last week, even the bus rides and the fellowship and the fun that we had just riding the bus. <laughs> on the activity bus. We, we forget about that. Don't we don't even want to talk about the activity bus because that's why I was, I was made a man on the activity bus. <laughs> so, so I want to just say that I, I had a, a great experience. Uh, I don't have anything negative to say about it. And and so and I just want to salute some of our teachers too that made us feel at home every time we walked in those doors. Miss mm. Grimshaw, Mr. Grimshaw, Coach okay. Sheldon, Coach Please. People that I, you know, that I have lifelong relationships with who I still communicate with to this day. So uh, nothing but positive vibes help me uh, adjust to, to if we want to say the real world, going to college, then going into corporate America, just how to communicate with people. I don't think I would have learned that or uh, I don't want to say learn that, but it, it came natural after you were exposed to this at such an early age. Mm. I'm talking about. I see. I love that. What I'm talking about. Look at yeah. him just cheesing in Miami. <laughs> NBA, multiple degrees. Yeah. Come on. Okay. Come on. You better be great. Man, my, my man, look here. My experience was I had a great experience. I'm piggyback off everybody said it's it's culture. Like, like people feel like we needed to be out there. No, they needed us out there. Agreed. Because John said they if they didn't see it on TV, they didn't know what it was. But when they get it firsthand and see what we go through, if they actually paid attention to it, because some of them, you know, like Mike said, all he knew is just kids were coming out there. We just having a good time. We playing sports together. We do the same stuff you do. The only difference is, is we coming from 30 minutes away. And we got a longer ride because we got a bunch of kids on the bus, just like you got a bunch of kids on your bus. Y'all just live two blocks away, you know. Uh, like uh, Whitney said, like a family, Sable said, like a family, you know, I got friends right now to this day that are literally my family, you know, they're my brothers and sisters. They don't look like me at all, you know, and, and I think some of them came to the city just because they knew us and they were like, oh, well, shoot, it, it, we, we comfortable. We going out there because Katie, you know, <laughs> the stigmatism is like, oh, my God, you go to the city, you're going to get shot. You right. go to the city and, oh, my God, it's so dangerous. No, we walk around the same blocks that you have. It might be more dangerous out there. You know, we ain't doing all them drugs and stuff. You know what right. I'm saying? Down, we're in the city. We ain't doing no meth. Right. We ain't doing all that crazy stuff. You got to come out to go to baseball game, don't you? Right. You got to go to see the Zoom. blues, right? <laughs> you know, so, I mean, but, but people don't look, you know, dig deep into and look at those bigger perspectives. That's why we have all these perspectives. But I had a great experience out there. Shout out to some of those teachers that I had. Kara Toomer, Ms. Stevenson, you know, Hines, everybody, the Grimshaws. All the Grimshaws, it's like 65 of them, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> hell, hell, we watch the kids be born too, you know? I mean, my goodness. Right. But like everybody, Coach Sumner, just 
just so many teachers, Ms. Mars, you know, it's so many, we can't even name them all, man. It's so many students. So just shout out to all of them. We gonna move forward. I wanna know what were some of the biggest challenges that some of you might've faced going to a predominantly white school, you know? Whitney, what's up? Talk to me. I think it is code switching. I think that we go from the hood and we got to act one kind of way. And then we get to Eureka and then we have to act another kind of way. And then it's almost like going to your stepmama. I mean, to your your dad's house and him and your, your mama broke up. So you got one set of rules here and then you got another set of rules here. So it's very, it's almost like trauma-based when you're a kid because it's so many different elements that you have to consider, that mm-hmm. you have to act on, you have mm-hmm. to not act on. Um, so I would absolutely say that was one of my biggest challenges. And honestly, it's uh, still one that I deal with today mm-hmm. that I am comfortable being present as who I am. Um, and I think that that does have a lot to do with where I went to high school and then college, I went to Wash U, so it didn't get any darker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, Sable, did you have did you have many challenges or? And it's okay. You I mean, I mean, no, I was quiet. You yes, were. You, was. you were very quiet. I mean, <laughs> I mean, but I talked when I wanted to talk. But mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you don't mess with nobody. Nobody mess with you. You just, I just did me. That was your first. And hung out with everybody. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, Anthony, what was one of your biggest, what was one of your biggest challenges you faced? Uh, I, I think I'm gonna agree with Wit on this, and that mm-hmm. the code switching. But you didn't know what code switching was right. back then. You know, mm-hmm. you, that that happens once you get you got educated and and you made your way into you know different aspects of your life. But um, and, and then I, I also you know you coming from an environment where you where you and it's sad to say this, where you're aggressive and then you get into an environment where it's, you know, they might talk, but it ain't about the action, right? So you, you have to learn how to control yourself too in those settings. I, you know, I don't know what the hardest thing for me was at that time. I think Dylan being in some of, say, I'm in advance or what they call them back then, AP hey, class. It's, and then you'll hear some kids say, I didn't think you would know that. You know, that was the type of shit that would get mm-hmm. under my skin a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I was bad as shit. So you Hella got AP class who just got off suspension. And then they, you know, they looking at me like, like shit. But <laughs> outside, of, outside of that, you know, I, I don't really have to like that experience where it was just, you know, horrible. Like I had a good time mm-hmm. I, and I would go back. Right. Okay. Uh, and teach them all. Teach all these kids whose parents ain't teaching them. Man, right now, I bet it wouldn't be no colors and whites written on no bathroom stalls. Come on. Hey, come on. I bet wouldn't nobody be using that <laughs> N word walking down the hallway. No, 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 no. No, baby. Oh, we got a trick for you, baby. Right. That's going to cost you. Hey, all of us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we all coming, baby. That's why we had them problems. But, uh, okay. Uh, Job, what about you, Job? What was one of the uh, challenges that you faced if I mean, you did? Because I know it was 92. I mean, like you said, like you said, you know, I've, I've always been a hustler. And so, like, when I say hustler, I mean, I've always cut hair. I've always sold CDs or whatever I had to do to survive. You know what I mean? Right. But 
one of the biggest challenges nobody really speaking about is being like the rich and the poor, the separation. You know, because like we 16 years old and we going to school with them and they like, they come to school with Beamers and shit that, you know, Lexuses, Beamers, you know what I mean? It's like really like stunting on us. So like to get over that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even though we was able to keep up because they were taking their styles from us. Like we were still wearing Jordans and everything. Like we were still, like I said, always been a hustler. So I've always, you know, been fly. But I'm coming from the Blue Mile. I'm coming from the project. Come on. You know what I mean? So, you know, I'm coming from the blue mines and I'm going all the way out there. And it's like, it's a it's a shock, you know what I mean? And I've always felt like, oh, we going to where they always write it. You know what I mean? Like, when you're wrong and they write it, you know what I mean? It was like a feeling. I don't know if everybody, it, um, this is coming from my perspective, coming from the projects, going out there, all the way, taking that hour ride out there. It's kind of like coming to America. You know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's just that's just me. You know, I'm I'm, I'm speaking on some little. You know, we talking like 1990. You know what I mean? Yeah, so like, yeah. I had to bring that feel to to this conversation. That's what I'm talking about. I have a question. Like, to was it like inferior? Did, to piggyback. Hold on, hold on. Oh, wait. wait. He had a question right. right quick before you say that, Latanya. I, I was wondering, like, at, in the '90s, was it like a, in, like, did you feel inferior to, to like that, move, going out there with that, uh, what I you want to call, that, with, like, with the I mean, economic, because like I was actually in a race fight, you know what I mean? I Where remember that cat that was riding the bus. You know, he didn't have no money. He was bummy. You know what I mean? We probably gave him some shoes a couple of times. You know what I mean? But like, he. Hey, got jumped because he was kicked off because you know he was looking bummy. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not like that all the time. You know what I'm saying? But like certain instances, you know what I mean? It, it did kind of you did kind of feel a certain way. You know what I mean? It wasn't always fun every day, but then it was some fun. You know what I mean? You know, then you you can learn you learn you learn how to write your resumes and all the stuff you need to do to get you know. And all of that, you know, you getting the, you getting firsthand computer knowledge from went from like you know we're perfect. To, I, I remember all of that. You know what I mean? It wasn't just always just Facebook and TikTok. So yeah, and I'm glad he acknowledged. You know, that we too. had a transition. So like we yeah. had a transition from what y'all hear about to what y'all see. Come on. Yeah, I'm glad he spoke on that because I think we all unconsciously had that that inferior um um like mindset because when we went out there we felt like all right we're going out here they got a nice car our friends i mean our friends got cars they got a nice house you felt like they had the perfect life until you got entrenched right. into into that that environment and you understood that some of them was were were going through the same things we were going Welcome through to the angels online say that yeah but initially, like when you're thinking about I'm going to Eureka, you're like, man, they got money out there. Why? Mm-hmm. And then actually, I was so ignorant at the time. I thought white people had money. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what mm-hmm. I associated money with when I was young until I was exposed to, to people and understood that, hey, they still some of them suffering just like us. And some people got it because, other, you know, they mm-hmm. worked for it or, you know, they had, you know, privileges that we didn't have, whatever it was. But then you still had some that was living, you know, in Shaw's Garden, who mama was still on, Come uh, on. you know, getting getting food stamps, Come and they were, on. you know, they were struggling just like us. So it was it was a great 
to like entrench yourself in that dynamic and understand that, that shit ain't always sweet, even though it, it could look like it on the outside, you know? Um, so I, I think like, like he said, I'm glad he touched on that because originally like I felt like that, like, man, my friends got a nice house. I, but I forgot my house was nice, even though I was out north. Shit, I had a nice bed and a roof. Shit, that was nice to us. And you know, then you go out here and you might you get you get confused. But if you, when you entrench yourself in that environment with those people, you you'll learn that that shit ain't always. You what realize it they, they families getting divorced like a mother. I'm talking about house broke, living above their means, not being able to. I mean, my dad had our water shut off so many times because he wanted to live out in the middle of Wildwood. We'd have to go to my grandma's house to take showers just because you want to live in Wildwood. You know, like just because you want to put that. Uh, look out there like I'm a successful white family when really you're living above me above your means and creating uh, generational damage of debt and plenty of other things that you know didn't need to happen so I'm so glad you said that because that's so true and there were so many people I knew friends that their parents were living that way and they looked good but it was not the truth man that's in mm. every community mm. <laughs> so Absolutely. Latanya, we gonna go with you. Come on, Latanya, your your biggest challenge. Yeah, uh, Jai, I'm so glad you brought that up because um, culture shock was easily the word uh, to describe how I was. First of all, just the environment, just the trees on the way out there. I mean, I never seen that many trees in my life. I was just so shocked. And then at times, and I, like I said, I was involved, so I was a cheerleader and I ran track. So I, uh, there were times where I had to stay out, uh, stay out in the county instead of going home. Um, just because of the time swap, uh, going home and then taking the bus back out. And I would stay over, you know, my cheerleading friend's house, cheerleader friend's house, and their houses were amazing. They were huge. And it was, I couldn't believe it. Like I was shocked that their houses looked so different from where, how I live. And mm-hmm. in a way, I'm glad it happened because it created a hunger for me to be better, to get out of the hood living seeing what they had I was like I want it too and that motivated me to to want more to go to college to 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 have better as a result of that I did hear also about the race fights all the time that it would be like a myth like back in the day there was a big race fight and uh, I didn't realize you were involved in that uh but um I other things I experienced was the microaggressions you know the implicit bias uh, can I touch your hair? Do black people blank? Is it true that black people blank? You know, um, I hear that a lot. But another struggle I had um, as a student in the DSAID program is I would get flack from other black students because they would tell me that I act white. I speak white. My voice, my you know, how I talk. Um, that was something I really struggled with. Because I would hear it all the time. Um, I'm not black enough. I'm light skinned. So there was an, that was just with my own people, something I struggled with also, um, which, you know, depending on who the person is, they have to experience that as well. So. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I want to. Um, I didn't say Mike or Katie because because you guys were, you know, y'all white school, maybe, you, you know. But and Taylor lived out there. Taylor, did I ask you already what was one of your biggest challenges? No, in my head it's really because everybody has said something that I can relate to because I think I guess if I had to sum it up, like I guess my challenge was feeling out of place because 
when, so we we came from the south side, right? I was we was on, we was on the south side till I was like twelve. Uh-huh. And when I went to my private school, elementary school, we were the ones who didn't have money. They our friends had the mansions. We was you know fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Then my family, whatever, we had a family business. They came up on some money. They grew some bread, right? And we were able to move out to Eureka. So then we lived in a legend. So then it was like flop. So then I knew, like, even though, you know, all the black kids was getting busted from the city looked like me, it was still a totally different, like, cultural experience because I had black, a black friend come over to my house, and she was just, like, so wild that my house was, she thought my house was so big, and she just, you know, basically people thought we just had money or whatever. But then at the same time, when I'm getting on a bus to go home, I had Mr. Wilson tell me that, oh, that's not your bus because he thought I had to go back to the city when really I was on the laid law and not the Atlantic Express. It was just, it was like, it was, it was like mind boggling. And I also, Latanya, I got the, when I, cause I started off at, um, LaSalle in eighth grade. So when I first got there, they was telling me how proper, like I talked to all that stuff. I got, I heard all that stuff, like this mm-hmm. black, white girl, she talked proper, she stay in the county. So I just, it was a lot, <laughs> it was a lot yeah. to filter through. Yeah, it really is. Let me, let me say culture barriers is what I'm gonna call it because Y'all was talking about code switch. And it's, it's crazy because, like you said, you come in the city. We lived in the Blue Myers, too. You in the Blue Myers, and you're going out to the county. And, like, when you were saying, it's like, it, it, everybody was saying the same thing. It's code switch. was like a cultural barrier because it comes to question, like, is that accepted out there? Can you do that? Are they not mm-hmm. going to judge you? But back then, like you said, we were ignorant because we don't know no better. We don't know about judgment or what judging is and stuff like that. But, like. Oh, we shouldn't say that. They might think, but that's just in the back of your mind. You don't say it out loud. Be like, damn, should we say that? You know what I'm saying? That was a that was huge. And then another one about talking white. Like me and my sister to this day, like my mom will tell you if somebody, because people, if somebody say something, she'd be like, my kids don't like being told that because I don't talk white. I don't give white people no disrespect. That much power over me. Okay. I'm an educated black female. Goddamn me. The hell with mm-hmm. that. I don't talk white. I talk like I got some sense. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as talking white. Right. Exactly. I can walk into a room and I belong in it. Whatever table I'm in front of, yes. I belong in there. Amen. You know what I'm saying? So don't don't do that. I, I I don't I can't stand when people say that. Oh, white people do that. What do you mean? I like to do that too. What are you saying? The same white people that you praise because you go to the school out there are the same ones on drugs. Yep. Selling drugs. Yes. Committing suicide. Doing all these crazy things. DUIs. Driving. You know. Drinking at 15 getting in trouble, you know, all these things, but you're still looking at people just because we from the city. You're judging us mm-hmm. only because of color of our skin yeah. and because we're coming from the city. But newsflash, some of our houses cost more than y'all's out there, no matter what they look like. Yeah, These brick houses go survive faster than your house survive, mm-hmm. even if it's in the ledges. I don't care. So that- hey, guess what? I was one of them dad. I'm, I was a hypocrite. I used to talk about people for talking white. I ain't gonna even lie. And then guess what my kids? <laughs> he used to talk about everybody, FYI. <laughs> he was a bully. Hold on, yes, hold on. Not just talking white. Like, if that's how you talk from when you got on the bus until you got off, it was the ones that talked to me one way on the bus. And then we got in school and talked another <laughs> way. I was on their ass. And then guess what? Now my kids, straight proper. Straight. <laughs> just up and down. God, he, then he got a way of showing you. Right? <laughs> They, they, they show all it was me, so I apologize if I hurt anybody' feelings. I know it was me. <laughs> I was on your ass. As soon as you got to school, man, why are you talking like that? <laughs> <laughs> so I apologize if I hurt anybody' feelings. I didn't. I was young and ignorant. 
It's all right. You know what? We older and we can acknowledge it because we got educated and we took it upon ourselves to get educated, you know? So did anybody, you know, this is just an open question. Did anybody run into situations where parents or guardians of, of kids mistreated them or was racist towards them or anything? I, I didn't. One. I didn't. Go I got one. Go ahead. Um, Obviously, I am a little bit lighter than the other people in my family. Light, bright, unite. <laughs> so my mama is chocolate. Well, she was R.I.P. Mama. So when she would come to Eureka, they would be like, are you sure that's your mama? That's your mama? Because you this light and she this dark. So I would get things like that. And then to take it even further, those are the same conversations I had to have at home because I was the only light-skinned one. So I feel like I had to be more hood more bad more you know to be able to be accepted with my people but then i kind of got the advantage of white people didn't think i was a threat because i was light-skinned you know what i'm saying so no matter how i talked because i always talk like this um no matter how i talked i was still more received because i am light-skinned them light people Oh Stop, man, I don't want to get that conversation. Don't do it, <laughs> Latanya. I'm gonna say this, right? Latanya, thank you, Latanya. What, what about you? Because Latanya is very light skinned as well. Oh yeah, I'm I'm high yellow. Yes, you are, Latanya. <laughs> the winter, my mom has to wonder. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that you deal with, and I think in family, it's generational thing. Um, you know, just being the light, I'm the white girl, you know, in the family. But, uh, you know, we could joke about it now. Um, but, I mean, it could cause some sort of light trauma, you know, to a person that just wants to feel that, to fit in. Did that um, make you feel a way, Latanya? Because parents, any parents make you feel a type of way or anything? Right. Another, you mean a, a parent of a student at Eureka? Oh, yeah. Any other parents or any or guardians? Oh. I never once had an issue with a parent. They've all been nice to me. Um, so I've been lucky. Awesome. Anybody been have any lucky. issues? It was in principle. It was in principle. Go ahead. Go ahead, Taylor. Yeah, so I'm, oh, I just thought his name just flashed in my head. But yeah, I'm t I don't know. They love suspending the black boys for 180 days. And to this day, I cannot get over it. It bothers me so bad. I mean, like, I just remember, I just feel like you just look up and you're like, where is so-and-so? Oh, he got suspended. We know it's 180 days. Like it was never. I feel like it was never like three days a week. 180 days, and it's like, what do you, what do you hope to accomplish? What do you think gonna happen Thanks. when a student is not in school for six months? Like you just setting them up for failure. So, um, and also, you know, me and me and Fet, well, me and uh, Nisi, <laughs> and when we got, well, you know, that one time we got ISS. But basically, my first time being suspended was ISS. It was the first and only time, and it was for standing near a fight. And I just was like, these principals are really out of their mind. So I did a lot of observation. It was no culture talk. I was used to being around white people. But it was me observing a, how authority had all these biases that just really made my stomach turn. Mm. I can say one thing real quick. So Taylor was saying with administration. And I can say my one time I got ISS was I was sitting in a classroom and I had a black friend in front of me, black friend behind me, and they were joking with a white boy in front of him and took his lunch and moved it. And the white kid went and told the teacher on him and they came to me and said, who did it? And I was like, oh, nah, I ain't, nah, you ain't put me in that. Like, I ain't telling. And so I got in school suspension and I specifically got said by a white teacher, like, why wouldn't you just tell on them and get them in trouble? 
Mm. No, I ain't doing that. Like, so I understand because, and even the administrative person that I was in the room with said, you know, you can just tell on them. They're always in trouble. Uh. And I'm like, nah, like, so it it definitely went deep. And I felt it on the other side of like, those are honestly, Mm -hmm. the black people were my people more than the white people. I got to me, I felt, you know, more shunned by my own people than I felt that I was by the black individuals at Eureka. I always wanted to be at their lunch table, you know, they're (laughs) hanging out with them because, you know, the white ones were talking about me. So, but I can say, man, from administration side point that I definitely heard it and felt it. Mm. Mm. So it's factual information. Baby, it's actual and factual. Oh, my bad. Come on, crawl back. Hey, hey, hey. Okay, okay. Everybody feeling good? We feeling good? Is everybody doing all right? Everybody okay? All right. All right. Mike, how you doing up there, Mike? I'm doing fantastic. Just listening to everybody and and thinking this is a, a really good discussion. Okay, okay, I love you. Thank you. You be great, and uh, make sure you bring me a shot glass from NYC whenever I see you in Florida. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. So we talked about overt and passive racism last week. So we don't. It, it, does anybody want to touch on that experience and overt or passive racism against others, or how did you respond, or you know, what what action did you take? Well, Katie just told us about a situation that she saw herself. Um, Taylor just gave us. An example also. Anybody else have an example of overt or passive racism against somebody else that they may have seen? Um, you know, I remember a referee told me one time, you know, this ain't the NBA during a basketball game. I remember that. And and, and, and I swear to God, at the age of 36, I remember that. Because I know mm. why you're telling me that as a white man. I know you Because I'm crossing these girls over. And I thought I was Ellen Allison. I thought I was AI, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I'm crossing them over. I'm taking them off a drill with the coach also say, spread. We already know what that means. I'm going to the basket. You know, this isn't the NBA. What you trying to say? You know what? Well, I still watch it to this day, okay? You know, but that you never know. And it was all the white man. You never know what you will instill in a person, whether it's negative or positive. Like Anthony, you know what I'm saying? He was talking about all these people that talk white. But anyway. <laughs> so Hey Angel or Go ahead, talk to me. I have I have a I have a perspective uh from a teacher. So I taught in yes. uh, a school district in St. Louis County for uh thirteen years, but I in all this was fifteen years, and I got a perspective from a teacher. So I remember one day at a staff meeting, they had sat us down and passed out papers. In those papers were the test scores uh, from last year, the previous year. Mm-hmm. And I saw the achievement gap between white students and black students' test scores. And my head, my jaw hit the floor. Um, the achievement gap is ridiculous. It's so wide. And um, it made me, first I was shocked, then I was sad. And I was thinking to myself, being the only black teacher there, I was the only black teacher in that district for the 13 years I was there, certified teacher. And I was like, what can we do in this situation? Why is this achievement gap so bad? Then I thought, well, kids are waking up early, that, you know, um, they, 
got to do homework and go to sleep and get right back up to come back to school. Um, obviously, um, we talk about the, you know, the, the, the financial gap uh, that they have, the difference. And what can they do? What are they doing for these Black students, the equity part, right? And, you know, that's another part that we can talk about with desegregation, that big achievement gap. What do you guys think about that? Mm. That was my first thought was I actually had sorry. Go Taylor. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. Who? Go ahead, Mike. Oh. Yeah, this is something that I kind of alluded to in my intro today and even last time. And I'm 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 not saying that this idea to create equity is the ultimate solution. I'd love to hear other people's opinions. You know, I feel like um, you know, this could always be further developed and refined and made into a perfect. But one of the things that I think would be more helpful is like, you know, obviously the, the, uh, the, uh, the desegregation program, uh, I think something needs to continue to happen at Eureka still like that. But I think a long-term solution, maybe both happening at the same time is starting at the top politically and how public schools get uh, funding for uh, their money. Now, I, I don't believe that you throw money at things to solve problems, but what I do believe in, I'm not running for president of the United States, but if I was, uh, this would be part of my campaign, which is uh, I would I would be fighting to create, uh, to, to get more money to all schools uh, and to have like, you know, there's accountability for actually using that money the right way to hiring better teachers to creating equitable opportunities. Now, obviously, if you know people want to still do, do the desegregation program, and you know, I think that that's great. But I think that plus universal health care um, are two ways of creating equity long term, in my opinion. Uh, I, I think that diversity is extremely important. When I lived in California, I feel like our neighborhood was very diverse. It's not just white and black, but every every race you can imagine. Yes. And we just went to school feeling like this this love of diversity and appreciation for and respect for people's different religious beliefs and you know, just this really open love. And uh uh you know, I, I that, that that that's what I that's what I would introduce the idea of is universal health care for everyone so that everyone has access to universal and good health care and then equal opportunity um in education, in, in education you know um and, you know and, and that doesn't mean it always comes from the state um you know right now they have the if i'm not mistaken the state divvies up how funding gets given to public schools through tax dollars so if we can't change that then i would you know, like lobby with, uh, you know, like the Elon Musk's of the world or philanthropists that have money to inject into schools and have a system of accountability to make sure that money is being spent properly to truly make it a great opportunity for students that want to work hard and make something of themselves. So that's my two cents. Mike, I love your two cents. Make that it was a great, Mike. It wasn't two cents, it was a quarter. Yeah. <laughs> guess, awesome. guess what I just heard recently? 
that I think St. Louis City public school teachers are, have the lowest salaries among um, the teachers or educators in the state of Missouri. Come on. Just imagine that. So if, if I'm not making no money, I don't want to be here. I want to go work because I need mm -hmm. to support my family. So now you, you might not have the best teachers that's teaching our kids. Then the schools, the infrastructures are horrible. Woo! And then we don't have, uh, and I'm speaking solely to St. Louis, we don't have the corporations that are, that are providing taxes that feed into the schools and the environments and the communities. We don't have the opportunities for people to get jobs where they can live a, a, a decent life. If you think, and I don't know what the what the average is for uh, St. Louis City households within city limits, but I bet it's probably below the national uh, average. Uh, and now you're telling us to to win in that environment like that. That's hard. When we're talking about violence, drugs. And we can't even fix that. And now we you put these kids in in this environment where they don't even feel safe. And then you tell them to go to school every day and be the best person that they can be. Like th there's a lot more to this story than, than just the DSEG program that we can talk about. We can talk about the DSEG program every day, but our kids that's living in that war, because I still think I, I suffer from PTSD. I used to keep a pistol and lift it at my bus stop when I got off the bus, but I went to school into a whole different environment. Mm -hmm. And you just had to imagine like, I'm, I'm 14 with a pistol on my bus stop because I got problems down the street or next, you don't know what people going through it. And then they got to come here and you tell them to, to do their best. They ain't worried about no fucking test. They hungry. On, or going off on come you because you ain't got no pencil. Y'all like know what shit. I just went through. And if you can't address that part, I don't give yeah, a damn like, about that science that you talked about. Okay. I don't care about okay. the bugs. I don't care about the, the, the rocks. Yeah. What kind of rock it is. I don't care where Pluto at. I don't yeah. care. Give me a pack of noodles. Okay. Kids want, want an extra snack. You know, and if you don't know about any of that, how do you expect them to focus on what you're trying to teach them? Yes. They trying to figure out who is it. We, we can't go to the laundromat today. And my clothes gonna smell like piss tomorrow? I just heard all these gunshots last night, and it kept me up. Mm -hmm. I got a nine-year-old told me. How many kids didn't eat since they ate at school the prior day? Like, mm -hmm. that's real. So now I can't wait to get the breakfast. I know a few of them that was fucking that breakfast up. <laughs> like, for real, you used to laugh. Like, man, why you got four bowls of cereal? Because motherfucker ain't ate. Why y'all begging? Let me be like, why you begging? <laughs> Taking this to my mama. I, I, so when we deal with that real those real issues though we can laugh and joke about it but this is this is somebody's uh -huh. real, real life, life at, right at now six, at five six seven eight nine and then they turn into monsters and you wonder why and they 14 15 with 100 round drums on these guns you telling me i i could ain't no heat in this motherfucker ain't no food in here i'm outside my husband always say that genius is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. Yep. Thanks. The crazy part is, is it husband. continues into Girl. they graduate from high school and we have the exact same problems within our like our jobs. Like I have people who are 18 years old having to take multiple buses to get to work, uh, you know, and they show up three minutes late and the manager wants to write them up. You know, like yeah. they don't even understand what this person has gone through to even get to work today. Don't let it be traffic. Don't Empathy. let the weather be bad. Right. Don't let somebody done got shot. So the police hold yes. the city up. You yep. in the city. Yes. How many times we wake up in the morning and shooting on Martin Luther King or something yep. at 7.30 a.m.? Yep. Guess what? 
everybody late. It's literally happening yes. right now. Four yes. kids just got killed in a car wreck at 2 a.m. Yep. And the street's crazy. Yep. Like, I mean, yeah. this is normal. Yes. It is happening every yeah. day, like, all day, like, not work. The crazy thing is, it's normal, but it's not. It shouldn't be. Correct. Like, this, Correct. Like, this isn't how you, like, you should be raising your kids and, and telling them, you know, hey, don't go down that street. You can get killed. But he's six and you having this conversation with him. Like, and it's, and then, and it's normal for him. You normalize safety and security. Yeah. This is your safety and security. Hey, oh, we can't go that. My mama said we can't go outside. We can't, Man. We can't go outside. Yeah. Now you wonder why they in the house playing video games all day. Shit. I know he's safe. Okay. <laughs> and sometimes. How many bullets? How many times we look on the news and the bullets going through, flying through? Two year old done got shot. It just literally just happening with the last two, three months. Multiple kids getting shot in the house. I have to so, say too, when I was dropping people off for like school or whatever afterwards, I remember Brandon being like, "Katie, when you get to the stop sign, take a right. Do not go left." And I remember thinking, "Why? Why does that matter if I go left or I go right?" But I was so ignorant to what was going on, you know, within the city. That's like, oh, you can't turn down that street because you could get shit. Like something could happen, you know. But being honestly, on the how lesson to get home, that that's honestly the lesson that teachers don't get when. And like, if you're an education major, you don't get the, I mean, you do in some classes, some multicultural classes. However, mm -hmm. the, every single thing that you mentioned could be a de deterrent for a kid to want to learn. Yeah. And those factors are things I don't feel teachers are aware of, or maybe want to be aware of, or know or understand. Someone said a pencil, you know, something as simple as, why don't you have supplies? Well, I was that, you know, that teacher that knew that some students didn't have supplies, so I had extra with me. I had extra food in my closet in case a student needed some. I had hair supplies in my office in case a student came with their hair undone. Like, that is the teacher that you want in that classroom that's going to motivate those, those students. However, not all teachers want to do that, want to take that extra time to give that love and extra tender love and care that students need some or maybe wanna, they don't know how and they don't know how or some just want to teach what they yeah. want what they're what they're there to teach and they don't want to go into and that side of, they don't care about mm -hmm. that they don't want to I, I a teacher that didn't want to address it before they like i came here to teach i don't even want to talk about that i don't even want to deal with that but you got to deal with yes. it if you're dealing with these kids because that's the only way that they're going to want them to learn if you, if, if, yeah. you know what i'm saying but i think the word that we we it's, it's empathy and, like yeah. and they, they, they lack it to 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 the children and what they're going through all they're worrying about is that they're getting paid this is the curriculum let me teach this not knowing everybody don't learn the same way everybody you know going through something at home so, so people just and it's just not teachers people just not empathetic anymore like oh, what, yes. what people are going through in their real life no matter what their economic situation is right because yeah. everybody's going through something so now you're dealing with a five six seven year old who hungry who not getting loved at home, or it might not even be love. Mom might be, and daddy might be out here working to two, twelve hour shifts, and and they only getting home at ten p.m. to kiss you good night, and they gone for work when you wake up. Because yeah. I used to walk to my bus stop five o'clock in the morning. Mama was already on the bus, gone to the post office. So, you know, I get up. You gotta, you five, you set. How old were we? Seven, eight, and now you mm -hmm. catching your bus five o'clock. At Wall Bridge Elementary, okay. <laughs> you know, like, 
it, it's a lot, you know, who knows what, what we suffer from, from things that we've been through. But overall, I think it was a great, you know, situation. But you don't think about those those aspects of what these kids, families are going through. And then we not doing anything about it. It's getting worse in the city. And I'm not even there, but, I, you know, everybody else is there and I can see it. You know what a lot of people will say? They be like, oh, I feel so sorry for them. That's sympathy. I don't need sympathy. Right. Yeah. If you empathize, you understand. Yeah. You recognize yeah. what the problem is. You, you're trying to figure out a way to solve it and whatnot. You know, be a part it's a of difference between empathy and sympathy. You know, I don't need you. I'm crying, talking about you feel sorry for me, talking about some, but I need you to go open that book. Yeah, okay. Nah, bro, I need you to really understand. Because yep. if you really understand, you're going to say, close that book. Right. Let's figure out, let's get to the root cause of this problem. Let's see what's going on. How can I motivate you to learn? Yeah. How can I help you? What can I do? Break down the barrier. You know, sometimes. Well, Angel, I'm glad you said that. Go ahead. The motivate the motivate you to learn, but I know like the achievement gap alone, you can talk about that for hours. So I was like, I don't wanna I know this conversation is a lot of different places that it can go. But when you said something about passive and overt racism, one of my first thoughts was um tracking. I mean, like, you know, tracking is a thing like where students like they are categorized like as general population, as um like, you know, IEP individualized education plan or or gifted. And basically once you get on one of those tracks, you pretty much stay there. So I remember I was very put off by uh, the, I feel like black males were disproportionately represented in, in those IEP classes. There's something that was mind boggling. And that's not to say that, you know, obviously there's a process, there's testing, but I felt like going along with, you know, just assumptions that people make. I also think that teachers, teachers obviously play a role with um, their expectations, whether they don't think that a student can learn or, you know, if they can achieve and, and they treat them those beliefs and thoughts that you have about a student, they will manifest in different ways. And I think that some of that obviously influences why you see certain students in this class or that class. And I know I personally, I came in ahead of people in eighth grade and I had to fight to get back into honors classes. Like I actually had to put up a fight. They're like, oh yeah, you are supposed to be honest. I'm like, yeah. And it's like, dang it, but I didn't say nothing. Mama didn't say nothing. I guess y'all would have put me in general population. I mean, which is fine, but it's just like, how many students didn't really need to be in IEP classes? How many how many students really should have been in an honors class? Like, those are questions you you have to ask. So I think those biases play play into like the achievement gap too. Yeah, I sat in a meeting where a teacher literally said the only reason they have good grades is because so they can participate in sports. Like, I literally sat there and watched the teacher say that, and I said to myself, I feel sorry for her students that she's all had all those years. I feel mm -hmm. sorry for anyone that associates with this person, because if you automatically feel that way, then you're not giving anything extra for those students that need that extra individualized attention. You know, you what, know though? I feel like, wait, wait, I feel you, like, um, do you all think that we deseg our kids, even though we know how this experience made us feel? for better or for worse, because Sable and I were just talking, her daughter's in Rockwood too, right? Yeah. And then my son, he's a senior at SLU High School, which is over predominantly white. My kids, my little kids are in a predominantly white school district. And knowing that, you know, whatever happened at Eureka, I still feel like they have to be in those environments in order to have a any chance of survival, any chance of 
being great because we can't be good we have to be great we have to be the best at everything and it's unfair for them to feel this stress on top of like angel said kids getting killed all all the other things that are going on so my question is just like do you all feel like that like do we still feel like oh we have to put our kids in these situations even though you know it's traumatic not to see anybody that looks like me or like angel said people that can relate to me like do y'all agree or not agree I think go. I think you go multiple ways. You know what I'm saying. You want them to learn like we like we did, and we fought that, and we overcame that. Put me in that. You know what I'm saying. Because mm-hmm. if I'm raising mine, now nah, you finna go to school out here, mm-hmm. and you gonna learn just like I did. You know what I'm saying. Like Ray, he got his kids. They in a diverse day in there, but 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 them two kids, they can go stand on their own ten toes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying. Because look who their daddy is. I'm gonna put yeah. my kids in that situation, and you gonna learn how to fight for what you believe in and what you what you deserve. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I think so. My perspective, right? I will. I'm going to always make sure that my kids are in a diverse school because I want them to be able to communicate. I want them to be able to understand other people's cultures. Uh, I, that's just me. Like they need to be in a diverse environment. But as a parent, I'm going to make sure you're in the best schools. When I when I get on their ass, I put you in the best schools with the best food and the best looking women. I got three boys. That's what I tell them. <laughs> so my expectations are already high. Like I, I put you in all the best situations not to fail. Now, I, there's two things I want to touch on here. Uh, with What's that Tanya that was talking about the teachers? Uh-huh. I think the teachers are the second most important people in a child's life oh, outside yes. of their parents. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. But I don't want to go at the teachers. I want to go. A lot of this shit that we that we deal with stuff are in the house. So so I want to make sure that we giving our kids that that proper time and loving and nurturing and discipline to understand that everything ain't gonna go the way you want it to, and you will get your ass whooped if you don't follow these. But I love you. You are amazing. Okay. Have to feed them all that. But we need teachers that damn near need to be the compounding factor on that that feed our kids that same type of love and discipline that they want to see them win. Some people just want your kids to pass and get the fuck out of my class, mm-hmm. right? Get them out of here. He's bad. <laughs> and you're like, how he, how he pass? He, he wasn't even in class that up, you know? And then back to Whitney, Whitney question, like, Whit, and it's just me, like, yeah, I want to put them in that diverse environment. Like, I feel the need to because I feel like I know what, what they need to win in this world. You know, and it ain't been around people that look like you 100 percent of the time. That's not what what it looks like. If you want to go and get a job and win out here, you have to learn how to deal, associate and sometimes kiss ass to people that you might not like to get where you want to get in life. That's the reality of it. Right. So I want to make sure I'm putting them in the right positions to win and and being an active parent, Mm -hmm. you know. No matter what, I'm out here busting my ass, but I'm at every track meet. I'm you got you need help with homework from day one, and I guarantee you, I don't know what they're gonna do as adults, but the rest of my life, I'm gonna always be able to kick my kids' ass. That's that's how I feel. You can be 35 if I feel like you're wrong. I'm gonna smack the shit out of you. <laughs> and we'll deal with the consequences. Okay, keep it funky. 
That's just how, but that's the level of respect and healthy fear that your kids should have of you making yes. sure that. Well, there's no fear, there's no respect. Yes. And kids and are laughing at me. That's what Jesus said. Way, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, kids will never be the kids that come in class and disrespect their teachers. Like, never. Because uh -uh. guess what? If I do this and they make that phone call, it's over. It's be hell to tell. Yeah, no. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yeah, my daddy said, <laughs> you know, so I, a lot of this stores at home and a lot of issues that we're dealing with stores at home. Um, and that, I think that's going away from our DSEG program thing. But a lot of issues, you know, start at home and then we need our teachers to, you know, come in and feed that energy that a good and healthy parent is feeding their kids. And then, you know, St. Louis, they got its own issues is dealing with yeah. being segregated no financial funding for our schools, right. teachers not underpaid, violence. Hell, we can keep going, but you know, you you, you gotta. It's so crazy. It's almost like you gotta work to get out. I don't <laughs> think it goes away from it because my question I was gonna ask everybody was: Do you think that having more representation at the school would help help African American students feel more seen? Like Latanya said, for thirteen years she was the only African American teacher there. But 13 years in, the, in that school district. In the district. In the district. That's a long time. That's disgusting. For all these kids to come through. That's and this insane. lady is the only lady that to sit like at that. the board member table or sit at the table and even have to be able to back up these kids. So if they had more representation, for example, hiring more black teachers, administrators, staff members, coaches, do you feel, I think it'll make a big difference. Huge difference. And I can say oh, that yeah. from an HR perspective. We were actually talking about this, mm -hmm. like, before it started. Like, you know, there are so many times where I watch and I'm like, wait, wait, wait. You know, why, that person deserves a seat at the table. They are just or more qualified. Mm -hmm. But yet I'm watching my white counterparts choose a white person because maybe that's who they're more comfortable mm -hmm. with. Or that's who looks like them mm -hmm. or whatever it may be. And so there has, you know, got to be, you know, those voices and that difference at every table. It should look, you know, different at every table, but giving the opportunities to people is the biggest key. And I think that the DSEG program is unfortunate yet fortunate with obviously, as everybody's talking about, um, you know, it had its pros and its cons, but it did prepare people, you know, to uh, be able to step out and at least know you know, how to communicate and how to have those conversations. And uh, I applaud you, Anthony, it, you are so right. Like it does start in the home. It really, really does. And, you know, you can make that difference, you know, in your child's life. So, you know, more power to you. I love it. Yeah. And I think to piggyback off what you're saying, that, it, that goes to leadership, right? Especially yes. when we talk about administration and everything, they have to set the tone and set the culture yep. and want to, and want to have a diverse workforce. For example, ignorant or not, if I'm going to see a counselor, a therapist, whatever we want to call them now, psychologist, I want to talk to somebody who I think can relate to me. Yep. More clearly, yep. that's somebody that kind of maybe look like me or from an environment in which I'm from, right? So even as our kids step into these into these buildings and are going to learn every day, you'll feel more comfortable if you see more people that kind of look like you. Maybe not everybody, but hey. Here go Miss Tomer, Miss Williams, Miss whoever, you know, not just one though, because right. we only have one or two. Like if you, at least 25%, yes. you know, diverse workforce when we talking about Rockwood School District, because yeah. we know that your workforce and your job will look like the community and what it operates in, right? So we get that. 
Um, but you still need a more diverse uh, leadership team. And that starts at the head, right? Yep. So your, your administration, your superintendent, that has to be something in place to, to promote and, and to recruit um, uh, minorities into your, into your, uh, your workforce. Won't he do it? Amen. Yes, he will. Hey, boy, he didn't got me out of some situations. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So, okay. I just, got, I just got a couple more questions here. I want to read this in the middle, though. Um, a viewer said, I asked a viewer from Eureka what how they felt about the DSEG. Their answer was, the only impact that busing kids in from the city was that it brought a lot of kids who became friends and one who is essentially family now into my world that I likely would never have met. Man, so Another true. one stated, I did not realize what DSEG was at the time. However, I do appreciate what it allowed me to do. I have lifelong friendships that were created. I grew up hearing, seeing of different culture, norms, fashion, activities, language that I otherwise would have no access to. Job mentioned that earlier when he was talking about music and everything else, the culture. Yeah. Some were good and others a child should never hear or see at a young age. But welcome to our life. Being in the city, this is what we see. So this is this is real life. This person said this, and he hadn't even heard an episode yet. But you want to know what? Hold on, hold on. Let me finish reading this right quick. The beauty I see at my age is an acceptance to let people be who they are. Religion, sex, color, food, they eat, clothes, car. I don't think I would have this philosophy if not for seeing or being submerged in a different norm rather than just like me. From kindergarten on up, it was my norm, so I knew no different. I look for this in schools to make sure my kids will experience something similar. Oh, that's right. And we just hit on that as well. Katie, Katie's got to get out of here. Katie, give us a good people, good people. Good people, good people. I'm out. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right, so I want to ask this real quick. Does anybody feel that, if, that, that their experience shaped them differently than they had hoped? We're going to add more to this. Do you feel as if you would have fared better in a school where your culture was more focal or celebrated or understood, a.k.a. kind of like people who wish they went to an HBCU instead of a streamlined university? So, Oh, me? No, no, I'm just, oh. do, do y'all understand what I just asked? Yeah, I think when you're pushing it when you get to college, right? I right, think. right. At that point, you kind of... I'm just kind of using you, an example so people understand yeah, what the kind of question yeah. I'm asking. You want to go to an HBCU, you probably want to go there to turn up. <laughs> but Or but, you wanted to be around your people because uh-huh. you have been submerged around people. So this, this is how I feel. And this is the conversation I had with my son. When he started at SLU, he hated it. He hated it for obvious reasons. Um, However, I had to explain to him that just hearing the name SLU High School sets you above and beyond. Like people are flabbergasted when I tell them my son is going to graduate from SLU. So I think that and I wanted him to go to an HBCU because like you said, Ray, in your mind, white people had all the money. Only white people had money. So for me, for him to be there at SLU and then, you know, learn how to maneuver in these situations, maneuver how to the Bomarito people go to school with him, like to, to be in those atmospheres. But then I wanted him to be around people that looked like him that were equally as successful. So he could be around them and then be like, well, damn, okay, now I see. So I feel you, Ray, a little no, bit. I totally agree. And I was, I was being a little facetious in that too. 
because we know <laughs> like Clark Atlanta, Spelman, we know we know what those schools are, right? Hampton University, if, for the people who don't know, uh, uh, esteemed uh, HBCU schools. Um, I think uh, to go back to your question, I think what was the question? Did it make you a better person, or you would you be that, a? Did, did it shape them? Did, does anyone feel as if their experience shaped them differently than they had hoped? Do you feel as if you would have fared better in a school where your culture was more focal and celebrated? City or county? Yeah, no, I, 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 I don't. I don't think I don't <laughs> think I was. It affected me in a in a in a bad way, right? Uh, I think I turned out to be exactly who I was supposed to be. But I think DSEG program helped me from the environment and what y'all was and the choices that I was making. I, I didn't think about going to college. People didn't, I was in AP classes, but I wasn't thinking about going to college until my coach told me I was being recruited, right? And then now I'm like, shit, I can go to college. I'm going to play football. I was going to play football. So, you know, it wasn't about the degree per se, but then, you know, as I say, school comes easy to some people, no matter what environment, I could pass a class, right? Might not retain it, but I can pass the class. Right. So. You know, I get to college, you know, then I, you know, I end up going to grad school or whatnot, but I, I think it molded me into the person, it advantageously into the person that I am today, um, just simply because, you know, the education level was a lot better than it was. And, and I, I can only compare this to the city of St. Louis public school system. Uh, so you busting us from, from St. Louis to Rockwood, which at that time was the best uh, public school system in, in the Missouri at the time, you got to think about what that did for you. I mean, the knowledge you learned, just education in well, itself. Learning was great for me. I mean, yeah, everything, just books, teachers, whatever it is, right? They hire the best, you know, they pay the most. So the best teachers want to come. And then now you get set into the real world and you already got a step, uh, you know, you're a exactly. step ahead of everybody else. You know that come from the environment and what you are you know you go back to and fall asleep and, and raised in so you know i think advantageously it helped me and molded me into a better person um i don't like i said i don't know it might be some bad shit in me that came from it i just don't know it right, right? you know because I, I don't pay attention to it <laughs> so exactly because this is our, this is our <laughs> last question anybody else got something to add to that i would say uh uh for being shaped differently, like we lived in Blue Mind Project, so we would have went to Vashon High School, which yep. uh, there was rumored that it be it were lots of fights, and I was afraid of that um, <laughs> because I'm a lover, not a fighter, and um, I was definitely scared to do that. And so going to um, my mom signing us all up in the DSEC program. It was a smooth transition for me, like uh, going from there to a PWI. Um, it was almost a, a, the same thing, the same experience that I had out in college. Uh, you know, I had professors that were there for me and convinced me to stay and get my master's, which I did. Um, and I had a student at the, the university where I work now, same university. Said, he told me that he was happy he didn't go to an HBCU because he would have been just a number. And here at the PWI, he has the opportunity to stand out and um, take advantage of the um, opportunities that are for our students of color out here. And, you know, I I feel like I missed out on that by not going to an HBCU. Uh, I, I really, I don't, looking at games and different things like that, I, I kind of wanted a piece of that. Um, so I kind of feel like I missed out on that. But um, I'm glad, I, obviously, the angle that I went, because you know, it made me who I am today, but 
you know, I just feel like it might have been a little miss out on that. Wow. So that was my last question. And I'm going to tell you, I ain't miss out on nothing because whatever I wanted to do, I did it. Lord. And it was what I was supposed to do. <laughs> and I'm still doing it right now because you got to get up people what they want. Hey, everybody, look, that's our show, y'all. We go. We can keep going. We can go all day if you have not noticed and not recognized. But we gonna have everybody give a good people, good people, because we have the time. We got things to do and nobody to see. So, <laughs> hey, Anthony, can you give me a good people, good people? Good people, good people. <laughs> oh, let me get a drink. <laughs> John, can you give me a good people, good people? Good people, good people. <laughs> <laughs> Latanya, can I get a good people, good people? Good people, good people. Be kind, y'all. Hey, Mike, where you at? Can we get a good people, good people? For sure. I, and I want to give a shout out to my teammates on this podcast, Rhonda and Anthony Perry, track and field and football. Uh, very thankful for, for our, our, our uh, time together. So good people, good people. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> Truly enjoy Taylor, can we get a good people, good people? Taylor. Good people, good people. There's Taylor, guys. There goes Sable. Come on, Sable. Good people, good people. See, look, I wasn't even going to be good people, good people. Good people, good people. Good people, good people. Woo! And you know I'm going to end it, baby. Good people, good people. You got to get them people what they want. Woo! Good job, Michelle. Be great. Good people, good people. Good people, good people.